0: Good morning, and welcome to The Morning Fix. We're starting a new series on the show today where we speak with leaders who spoke at the South by Southwest 2022 health and MedTech track. Today, we're joined by two guests, Dr. Lindsay Cassidy and Lauren Thayman. Dr. Cassidy is with Miss Medicine and is a board-certified family medicine physician with a special focus on women's health. She's also a senior instructor at the University of Colorado Department of Family Medicine. She has many years of experience in women's health and has contributed to many publications. Lauren is a Senior Director of Communications at Procter & Gamble Venture, a startup within the larger company that encourages new innovations. With a pharmaceutical sciences background, Lauren has merged her passion for storytelling and innovation to create scientific communications for P&G. We're thrilled to have you both here today. Welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here.
2: Thank you. Very excited.
3: So Dr. Cassidy and Lauren, we love to start off our interviews asking about our guests' backgrounds. Our listeners love to hear about backstories and backgrounds and histories. Tell us a bit about yours and your favorite part
1: along the way. So my name is Lindsay Cassidy. I'm a board-certified family medicine physician, originally from the suburbs of New York City. However, I'm currently in Denver, Colorado, and I've been here for Almost five years. Um, I did work for the University of Colorado for about four and a half years until a couple months ago when I decided to leave and start my own um, concierge medical practice here in Denver in affiliation with Ms. Medicine. And my favorite part of being a doctor is really getting to meet a whole bunch of people, learn about them, talk with them, and get to help them in various ways throughout their lives.
2: So my name is Lauren Thayman. I have been an employee of Procter Gable Gamble for over 30 years. Um, I started, I have a back My undergraduates in chemistry, and my master's is in pharmaceutical sciences with a concentration in cosmetic science. I've spent pretty much my career in um, health and beauty, um, really talking about the science and the uh, validating the science and the different way the science could actually make a difference in people's lives.
0: Well, thank you again for both being here. We're so excited to talk to you more about your, your, your backgrounds. Um, Dr. Cassidy, you know, I'd love to hear more about what Ms. Medicine is.
1: Sure. So Ms. Medicine is a group of medical providers, concierge, um, medical physicians, healthcare experts who are really focused on providing a more elevated healthcare experience And the way that we can do this is through evidence-based medicine and actually being able to spend more time with our patients. So most people, I'm sure many of you have experienced, when you go to the doctor's office, you spend more time actually waiting for your appointment. And once you actually see your doctor, maybe you get to spend about 7 to 10 minutes and realize that you've spent most of your appointment actually sitting and waiting. In this model of medicine or healthcare. We can have a panel of fewer patients, and that way we can really sit down and spend the time with patients to really get to know them, get to know their families, and provide a more personalized experience, um, and you know, really focus on all their issues as opposed to having to tell them, oh, you need to come back and talk about that problem on a different day because we don't, you can't really address many problems in a seven-minute time period.
0: Do you find that having a concierge type model um, enables better care for the for different women who are in your practice?
1: I do. I feel like it really allows you or allows me to partner with my patients, and that way they can get all of their answers or all of their questions answered, and you can really. Um, Spend that time and get to the bottom of problems as opposed to trying to rush through as many problems as you can in a short period of time. This way, patients can come as often as they want to. There's an unlimited um, amount of appointments. You know, you pay an annual or semi annual fee, and then you can come as often as you want to. And you don't have to worry about, you know, when you call to schedule an appointment that you can't get in for two weeks. I can offer same day, next day appointments, and I can spend, you know, an hour with patients if needed. Um, So it really allows us to focus on each individual person and provide um, more comprehensive and evidence-based care to all sorts of problems. And And then also it allows me to spend additional time continuing my education, like learning more about all of these women's health issues and various ongoing studies around women's health. Dr. Cassidy, thanks for
3: that. That's a, a great segue into my next question, um, which uh, is directed towards Lauren. Lauren um, Lauren, and I actually met up at South by Southwest. We had a wonderful chat, and I also was fortunate to attend the session that she moderated called Gender Bias in Medicine, Advancing Women's Health, and was impressed by the discourse and conversations. And uh, Lauren, share with us some insights from the session, and really from South by Southwest in general. Any thoughts or or comments you would like to share, or anything interesting, and, and any little tidbits you think are interesting and worthy of sharing?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that gender bias in women's health is real, and you know it's resulting in poor health and poor health care for women. So 52% of women believe gender discrimination negatively impacts their medical health care. But, it, but it's not only they perceive it, but it's actually real. Women are diagnosed um, two and a half years later for cancer and four and a half years later for diabetes than men. Actually, women are diagnosed later than men in more than 700 diseases. And often because it is believed that women are over-exaggerating their illnesses. They believe that women have a lower tolerance for pain, which is... After childbirth. I don't know how they could ever believe that. And it's 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 actually resulting in poor healthcare for women. So they say that there was a, 21, 21, a, a study done in t- uh, 2021 that says doctors are still failing to take pain reported by females seriously. They believe that men view chronic pain as brave or stoic, but women emotional or hysterical. And so they often treat it as mental health issues for women, which is actually also an issue for men because men are not treated as frequently for mental health issues, right? And um, so there are 77 published articles today that didn't dismiss women's patients as being too sensitive. So it's a real, real issue that this perception of women exaggerate pain. And so therefore they're misdiagnosed or not diagnosed at all.
3: Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. and. Um... Well, no, I it, it it certainly set the course for conversation. What do you think are you know some solutions other than Ms. Medicine and some advocacy groups? What else can we do to create more equality in this
2: space? I think Dr. Cassidy will have a lot of perspective based on her background. But what came out in the panel was definitely that there's three key things that need to happen. One, women need to be, well, four key things. Women need to be advocate for themselves. They need to just continue to be tenacious and really get to the bottom of their diagnosis. I have several personal examples in my life where it took a while for women to be diagnosed. I had a friend who was always very thin and very athletic, and she started getting swelling and puffiness in her abdomen. And she kept on going to the doctor for well over a year, and he said, "Oh, you've always been thin. Now you're just menopausal. Um, don't worry about that." And unfortunately, it was finally diagnosed when she had stage four pancreatic cancer, um, and she has since passed away. Now, would she have been able to survive? That is unknown. But she definitely would have had a better quality of life in her latter year, latter months, right? Um, I have a daughter, and this is goes to autoimmune conditions. While seventy five percent of autoimmune conditions are women, and even lupus, ninety percent of lupus people people with lupus are women. It takes it takes a doctor less time to diagnose a man with lupus than it does a woman, which makes absolutely no sense, right? And I have a daughter with um, celiac disease who literally went to the doctor for. Five years, and every doctor kept on saying, "Oh, that's normal. It's normal to have that problem. It's normal. It's normal. It's normal." And finally, one doctor listened to her, and she was diagnosed with severe celiac's. Um, and so, you know, it is a real situation where uh, the women's issues are discounted. So you have to, have to, have to be an advocate of yourself for yourself. Bring someone with you. To help listen, look for a second diagnosis, really, really educate yourself, which is the second thing. You really need to educate yourself. Don't go to crazy websites, go to really founded, you know, the ones that have hospital behind them or like the website for the condition you think you have. Don't go to some weird blog. Um, That's really important. And I think there's a responsibility for us to help educate. Um, medical providers. And that's where Dr. Cassidy is actually, and Ms. Medicine is leading the way is, you know, these there's a medical dividers, that providers that have educated themselves. Um, and they have worked to educate themselves in this differences between men and women. Because as she'll tell you, it's the medical curriculum today is based on what happens on the body of 154 pound man. Yeah. And historically medical research has happened in male cells and male mice and male people. So that. There has to be an intervention in order for the 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 medical health care industry to change.
3: yeah, I remember you brought up those anecdotes um about your daughter and then also about the My
2: friend uh,
3: med- uh, yes, and then also medicine is is based on a male stature. Uh, which creates an inconsistency and a bias. And I think that's really important information to convey. And I wanted to ask Dr. Cassidy the same question. Uh, What do you think about this? And what what can we do to shorten diagnosis time and create this equality within medicine?
1: So Lauren mentioned a a few key points that I very much agree with her, like patients need to advocate for themselves, definitely. But I think as providers, we also need to advocate for all people and women especially because yes as she mentioned most medical studies were based on males um, and women are women are not just smaller men sure we may weigh less typically but there are many differences we metabolize things differently we experience medical conditions differently and that goes to the misdiagnosis or delay in diagnosis Um, we often have Different symptoms that are that are than those that are taught in medical school for specific medical conditions. other things that I think can help is um, I want to stress the importance of a primary care provider. So I don't know if any of you have experienced this, but a lot of people have experienced you know they're having a problem they go to one provider and then say, you know next time they get some tests and then they follow up and it's a different provider. So they have to tell their story all over again. And then they don't have the time to sort of move forward in the diagnostic process. So um, with our model, like with a concierge or membership based model, um, these patients can come back. So the diagnostic process can continue and not get delayed. Um, And so I want to really get to know my patients. So when they come in for a follow-up, I already know their background. I know all the things we've already discussed, and we can advance the process of trying to figure out why are they having these symptoms and what is what is going on?
0: I know that that can be so frustrating, um, you know, whether you're a woman or a man, to have to retell your story over and over and over again. So okay. I definitely see the importance of having that relationship that you built with your um, Position over time, so that you don't have to do that as much, right? So I think that is really important, and so we, you know, definitely appreciate you both sharing your insight. Lauren, I do want to talk about South by Southwest a little bit. Was this your first time there, or had you been there
2: before? No, it was my uh, second time at South by.
0: Okay. And so what would you how would you compare it? I mean, sort of this post-pandemic South by um versus before and, you know, what did you enjoy about it?
2: The less people. Um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you you could get into places. Yeah. I, I it was wonderful being back. It was, you know, the I think I find personally as a marketer and, you know, a researcher South by incredibly stimulating and um so it was you know it was really and i did attend virtually so they did it virtually last year so i guess that was my technically this was my third the second one last year was virtual um and it just it's really hard to get the same level of connection um when you're you know on a screen for like 8 hours a day right and that energy that you get when you're in person and you know i think that goes from everything to um you know how we do our business to how we learn like you know podcasts are just a great opportunity to get that energy and that commitment that people have to a certain area versus, you know, even just reading an article. I think there's a place for everything. Like I read a lot of news and read a lot of articles as well, but I think it it just goes within that whole diverse ecosystem on how we learn and how we know what's going on in, in the world today and what's important. But I did enjoy being able to walk into a restaurant and get it and be able to sit down.
0: Yeah, fair enough. Um, And I was actually, it's funny, you you describe South by Southwest that way about that energy that you get from it. Um, I was trying to describe it to somebody just a few days ago who hadn't been before. And I said, you know, you may not come away with some big Uh aha moment but what you do come away with is um just this renewed sense of purpose and what you do um and you get new ideas you know that you might be able to you know you might get a nugget from one session or a you know idea from a conversation you have you know grabbing your starbucks in the hotel um you know when you talk to somebody and it just you know they used to call it um Spring Break for Nerds, (laughs) Um, because it was just all these really interesting people that came together, you know, to just share ideas and and really just start the spring off in a really positive way. So I'm I'm thrilled that it's back to you. And I hope next year will be even bigger and better.
2: Yeah. Yes, there's definitely some cool themes there that... You know, I, I think nerds is a good is a good analogy, and I would definitely be a self proclaimed nerd. And it's for and I, you know that's why I think this whole women advancing women's health is just very consistent with that. You know, we have a lot of news in healthcare, but is there ever discussion on the difference between the needs for women's health versus men's health? It's always very health, right? And I think that's you know just having those awarenesses driven across mainstream the mainstream world is going to be very important as we continue to move food in the future. Absolutely.
0: Well, can I ask you about the future? Um, and I'll ask Dr. Cassidy the same question, but we'll start with you, Lauren, since you brought it up. Um, so, what do you see as the future for women's health? And are you feeling good about it? Or are you still feeling there's, you know, a, a long way to go before we can say that, you know, women are equal in the healthcare system?
2: Well. You know, I'm a researcher, so I would only know from what the research says, but I would tell you the research suggests we're moving in the right direction, but we still have a way to go. You know, up until in the early 90s, uh, research studies only contained men. And there was a really good reason for that, because women were pregnant, there were menstrual cycles, you didn't want to, you know inadvertently, you know, part of pregnancy, if, if there was an adverse reaction to some sort of new drug, the fluctuation hormones are very difficult to read. But the biological difference between sexes influences how diseases and drugs and other therapies affect people. And so until, the, so now um, all NIH studies have women make up half the participants in clinicals, but that's not all studies that are happening right? So there is movement in the right direction. We're learning a lot about drugs that once were thought to be equal. um, Ambien's a great example, right? When Ambien first came out, they gave the same, dying, the same quantity of drug to both men and women. And they learned that that quantity of drug to women was not a good, good thing, right? Right. Aspirin, right. Right. You know, how many people do you know that are elderly or over the age of 60, 70, they take aspirin daily to prevent a heart attack, but they've learned that that is not as effective or as the same mechanism for women and as is men. Right. So, I mean, I think it's, it's a journey. We're definitely making progress, but there's still quite a bit of uh, world to go. Just recently, um, just COVID-19 women are less likely to be diagnosed in x-ray than a man who have co- with COVID-19. That's now. Yeah. So yeah, that's I a think we, we're making, <laughs> we're making movement, but we, there's still opportunity. Absolutely.
0: And Dr. Cassidy, what about you? What are you feeling good about the future? Um, and what can you tell us about
1: that? So I agree with Lauren in the sense that you know there's a lot happening, but I think even more needs to happen. You know, I um, every Monday am involved in a webinar through Ms. Medicine that usually has an um, expert healthcare provider who Who presents on a specific topic. And oftentimes, and then we have a question and answer session about that topic. Um, Most often, they are related to women's health. And then, usually or many times, they mention a study that they are doing and how they're recruiting women to sort of advance the the medicine and the science that we know behind that specific um, healthcare issue or bes- behind that specific treatment. So I think you know those studies need to continue and more healthcare providers should get involved or should like get involved with the education, learn more about, read more about, or participate in these conferences surrounding women's health so that we can continue to advance um, the future of women's healthcare.
3: Yes, I I agree. And I've loved interviewing uh, the two of you today and continuing these important conversations uh, that started at South by Southwest, well, at least for for us. And um, we were really excited to, uh, you know, once we saw the lineup, we were thrilled to meet the panel and to uh, learn about these inconsistencies and biases in medicine and and why they exist and what we can do. So thank you for speaking with us today, both Lauren and Dr. Cassidy, and let's, let's continue these conversations. And I hope
1: that you come back
3: to South by Southwest 2023. We can see where we are in about a year.
1: Thanks for having me. I had a great time. Thank, thank you. you for having me and thank you for
2: bringing this to the forefront. Oh of course, Yes, of course. So
3: we have one
1: more fun, fun
3: question uh, that we always ask all of our guests. And since you're here on the Morning Fix by 510K Cafe, we would love to know what you do for your
1: morning fix. So as I mentioned, I'm originally from New York and now I live in Denver, Colorado. So oftentimes since there is that two hour time change. Um, I start my morning with either text messages or photos from my family on the East Coast, which is fun. So, for example, this morning, it was my niece's fifth birthday yesterday. So I got a video this morning um, of her birthday party where everyone was singing happy birthday to her. So that's sort of a nice way to start off my morning. And then it's pretty simple from there. Coffee, shower, and then walk to my office.
2: Very nice. Oh, mine's... So my children are are in their twenties. So every morning I get on find friends and figure out where they are. <laughs> so I have a daughter's like bouncing around Europe between semesters at, at school, and um, then I go to Pilates. And um, before I go to Pilates, I do Wordle because I am also oh, yes. addicted, right? And uh, <laughs> Me too. My, yeah, I'm on my streak. And then I go to Pilates, and then I have lots of coffee. But okay, it's, it's, so- I ease my way into the day.
3: I love it so. Wordle, and, and I have said before, we've heard a lot of great morning rituals. We have, Julie. Have we ever heard Wordle? Nope, sure have not. <laughs> so that's a new one. I, I love to hear new new ideas. So thank you for bringing that up. Well, that's great. That's great. Thank you again, uh, both Dr. Cassidy and Laura. Thank you for your time, and we loved having you on our uh, show today. And look forward to. Um, continuing this important conversation and thanks to everyone for listening. We hope you're enjoying hearing from our, our amazing med tech leaders and thank you for tuning into 510k Cafe.